I'll invite you to, um, well, why don't you start with me in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, I'll start somewhere else, but uh, that'll get you in the uh, direction of where we want to go. We're, we've been teaching for the last couple of weeks on a series that we've entitled God's Attitude Toward Healing. We looked at uh, a number of things, and we'll look at a number of other things, but I'm kind of taking them through point by point from, uh, from a standpoint of what the Bible identifies to us, that God's attitude is toward healing the sick. We saw in um, uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, God has seven redemptive names. We know that man lost everything in the fall. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, man lost everything. The earth had been created in perfect form. There was nothing to hurt or harm mankind. There was no sickness in the, uh, in the whole of the earth. That didn't come about until after spiritual death overtook man through sin. And God, uh, according to, to Dr. Schofield, we even looked in the Schofield Bible and read some of the notes of Dr. Schofield, who is, um, um, well, at one time, when I was a young, uh, young boy growing up in the Baptist church, he was the foremost Baptist scholar. Uh, everybody recognized him and everybody used his Bible because of the notes that were there. I'm not in the Baptist church anymore, so I don't know that that's still the case, but I'm sure that he's still respected and uh, revered for his uh, walk with God and his understanding of the Scripture. And he said in his notes that God revealed himself in seven, with seven different names to reveal what man had lost and what man regained in redemption. We went through those seven redemptive names, and one of them, actually the first one that God identifies himself to Israel as, is I am the Lord that healeth thee. We talked about how that each one of those seven redemptive names still apply to today. One of those names is Jehovah my righteousness. Well, righteousness still applies today. Another is Jehovah my peace. Peace still is applied today through redemption. Jesus said, my peace I leave for you. Anyway, we went through each of those seven redemptive names. And all uh, the first six of those seven redemptive names, everybody in the church world agrees belongs to us today through Jesus and through his sacrifice. But somehow or another, the church world has decided that se- that seventh redemptive name, the name, I am the Lord that healeth thee, doesn't always apply. Well, who has the right to take away one of God's redemptive names as he's revealed himself? I don't believe anybody has that right. Now, why does the church world take away or, or uh, deny that God is the God that healeth thee and that is a part of the redemptive work of Jesus? Well, there's all kinds of reasons and excuses that people give. But I guess what it comes down to is man doesn't realize that you receive that by faith just like you receive righteousness and peace and, and well-being and everything else by faith. We also looked at the atonement. We looked at the, uh, the examples in the Old Testament how that people were healed by making an atonement, which is the shedding of blood, a sacrifice for sins. And the sacrifice for those sins brought physical healing to their bodies time and time and time again. And the question had, was asked, and we'll ask it again, how is it that the Old Testament type of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross brought healing. But the modern-day church says that the the actual fulfillment of that type, which was Jesus literally going to the cross and shedding his blood, doesn't provide the same physical well-being that the, the type did. Doesn't make sense, does it? We also looked at uh, some other things, some other aspects of the, the uh, God's attitude toward healing. We saw last week, I believe it was, that uh, Matthew eight seventeen that Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Most of the church world thinks that Jesus healed because he was the son of God. But the Bible specifically, specifically says that Jesus healed to fulfill the scripture that said that he would pay the price for our sins, sins of all of mankind, and he took the sicknesses of all of mankind too. 
and that, that anything less than healing everybody would have been a denial that Jesus was bruised for our iniquities, meaning everybody's. He was wounded for our transgressions, meaning everybody's. The chastisement of our peace, meaning everybody's, was upon him. And with his stripes, we, meaning everybody, are healed. Tonight, I want to talk to you about another characteristic of God that everybody in the body of Christ will readily step up and say, yes, amen, that's who he is. I'm going to read from Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Not half full, but full. Full of compassion. That means if you're full of something, there's no room for anything else. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. By the way, the the word gracious means disposed to show favors. God is disposed to show favors and full of compassion. The Lord is good to all, not just a few, not the lucky ones, but he's good to all. And his tender mercies are over all, all, A-double-L, all his works. Now, I want you to notice something about this. As we said, everybody will say, yes, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We sing songs about the Lord being good and his mercy endures forever. But what does mercy mean? What did mercy mean to Jesus? The only way we're going to know what mercy means to God is to see what mercy meant to Jesus. Did you find Matthew 9 yet? Let's start reading in verse 27. It says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. I want you to notice what people in Jesus' day called for when they needed healing for their bodies. They called for mercy. Notice they didn't cry out and say, Jesus, heal us, even though they understood they were one and the same. They understood that healing would come from God showing mercy upon them, but they asked for mercy. Why? Because the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Every one of these people that cry out for mercy that we're going to see, and there are numerous examples, every one of the people that cried out for mercy when they need healing for their physical body that were Jews understood that the Old Testament said time after time after time after time, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That was part of their songbook. You've got Psalm, uh, what is it, Psalm 136, I believe it is. It's got, uh, uh, well, numerous verses. I'm, I started to say 18, but I'm not sure if it's just 18, maybe more than that. But every verse ends with, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. It was ingrained in them that God is good to his covenant people. And his mercy endures forever. So now here's a Jew. People of Jewish descent. These two men and they cried saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said unto them, believe you that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See, no man know it. It seems to me that Jesus was healing people, trying to prove that he was the Son of God. He wouldn't have kept telling people, Don't tell anybody about this. And the only reason for this, I'm not sure exactly his reason behind all these. Some of them we know, but other examples we don't know. But it says to me that Jesus did not heal to prove that he was the Son of God. Jesus healed to fulfill the scripture that says himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Turn with me over to Matthew 15. Start reading in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. This is outside the, the Israel proper. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast 
and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And she believes the same thing these other two did. They called him son of David. They asked for mercy. Jesus had to tweak their faith a little bit or identify their faith. And he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yeah, Lord, we do. Let me ask you a question. When they said, yes, Lord, we believe you're able to do this, do they mean, yeah, Lord, I've got a tingling feeling? What do they mean? When Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? What does that mean? If I was to ask you, do you believe God is able to heal you? What does that mean to you? Are we looking for some kind of special proof? Some people immediately, I've asked people this question, do you believe God can do this? And immediately some people will step up and start trying to prove to me why. Oh, yeah, I I heard this story about somebody that was healed of this same thing. Well, that's great for the story. That tells us that they believe, but do you believe? What if these guys had lied? What if they said, oh, yeah, Lord, we believe, and then kind of looked at each other and said, what are you, do you believe? I don't know. How do you believe? I don't know. Well, it wouldn't have worked. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. What Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to commit, get them to commit themselves. He didn't say, do you believe enough? He didn't say, how strongly do you believe? Jesus didn't say, okay, well, we're going to play wheel of healing. I've got healing from one lucky one. Which one of you believes the most? The one that proves to me you got the most faith and you'll get it. He's looking for them to commit themselves. How do you commit yourself? When it comes to faith, how do you commit yourself? You choose to believe, and so you speak. Now, faith has to have a foundation. Clearly, they know about Jesus because they called him the son of David. So what does that mean? That means they've heard about him. It means they've heard about the healing works that he's done. And that was enough. I see people struggle. Bless their hearts. I see people struggle. I don't believe God wants people to struggle. Do you? Why in the world would he want that? Man, if he wanted us to struggle, why not just leave us without a Savior? There's no bigger struggle than that. But the fact that Jesus provided everything for us by the will of the Father tells us God doesn't want us to struggle. I like to put it in these terms. How much did you have to struggle to get saved? You may have had a struggle of whether or not you were going to go to the altar or whether or not you were going to give your heart to the Lord. But once you made the decision, once you committed yourself and said, okay, I surrender, Jesus come into my heart, how big a struggle was that? It's the easiest thing you ever did. Once you surrendered, once you said, I choose to believe, then it happened simply, didn't it? I wonder if it was the same way with healing. Seems to be. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yeah, Lord, we believe. Then according to your faith, be it unto you. I don't think Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to step back and see if you really believe and we'll judge by the results. Jesus is simply saying, since you choose to believe, then it's yours. And their eyes were opened. Now here we've got a different situation. We've got a woman that that knows the same thing about Jesus. She's calling him the son of David, meaning she's heard of him. She's heard, heard of his ministry. She obviously believes in deliverance because that's what she came for. Wouldn't be any sense for her to come for deliverance if, if there was no ability there. That may have been the reason Jesus questioned the two blind men because Jesus passed by them rather than them coming to him. I don't know. 
But she says the same thing. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And since she's not a Jew, a descendant of Abraham, Jesus doesn't answer her anything. Doesn't even respond. He answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us. Now, it wasn't Jesus. The crowd control was not Jesus' job. So when it says the disciples came and asked Jesus to get rid of her, that tells me they've already tried. They're finally at their last resort, and they say, well, we can't get her to to obey us and leave us alone, so we'll go to Jesus. If Jesus tells her to go away, then maybe she'll listen. I'm fully satisfied that they tried to get rid of her to begin with, and she wouldn't have any part of it. She wouldn't be denied. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't tell her to go away. He just simply says, I'm sent to the Jews and not to the Gentiles yet. Then came she and worshipped him. That would have been enough for most people, I think. Most people would have given up before then, I guess. But even then, she wouldn't give up. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. What reason? He's already said, I'm not sent to you. What reason would he have to help her? There's only one. There's only one reason. There's only one thing she can be hoping for, and that is mercy. It doesn't belong to her. Jesus just said so. She's looking for mercy, which is what she asked for to begin with. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet or appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. That's pretty harsh. Now, we're it's a little... Um, little blind to us because we don't understand the culture but the jews considered anybody outside the jewish race as a dog and called them that they called all gentiles dogs they called the romans dogs it's one of the reasons that the jews were so hated worldwide because of their attitude and even the things that they said about people that were not of them now here jesus is doing it i'm well satisfied that that would qualify for a lot of people's definition of racism today Jesus would have had pickets around his church by the next service. Jesus said it's not right to cast, take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, we can look at that on the negative side and it's easy to do that. But notice Jesus said that healing or deliverance is the children's bread. Belongs to his covenant partners. He just doesn't belong to anybody else. And so Jesus is saying it's not right. It's not according to the terms of the covenant, in other words, to take what belongs to the children, the healing and deliverance that belongs to the children, and to cast it to the Gentiles, to give it out to the Gentiles. But she answered, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I just need a little bit of mercy. I know it doesn't belong to me, but you're not about what belongs to people. You're about mercy. I just need a little bit of mercy. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I want you to realize, again, we've got another example. Mercy means deliverance. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. The Hebrew, both the Hebrew and the Greek words for compassion and mercy are identically the same. They're interchangeable. There's not a shadow of a difference between them. They're not always the same words that are used, but you look at the definitions and there's no difference between them. 
Now, in the Greek, it's always compassion and mercy are always the same. The Hebrew words are a little bit different, but the, the definitions are exactly the same. So where it says the Lord is full of compassion, it means he's full of mercy. He's full of mercy. She knows that. She's got enough information about Jesus to where she's got something to believe in and something to hang on to, and she says, all I need is a little bit of mercy. Well, let me ask you a question. Has the mercy of Jesus changed? If so, we've got some pages to tear out of the Bible. I mean, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever in Hebrews 13, 8. Does that apply to mercy too? Who in the church world would say that Jesus' attitude toward his mercy and the mercy of God being shown to mankind is different or less or altered or adjusted in any way whatsoever by his resurrection? You're not going to find anybody that says that. Because if his mercy is altered by the resurrection of Jesus, how do we know that salvation belongs to everybody? Because salvation is a result of the mercy of God. Micah 8, uh, verse, chapter 7 verse 18 said that God delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. You want to make God happy? Remove every obstacle so he can show his mercy to you. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Beginning in verse 14, it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Here's another man looking for mercy. Now, what does he want? Does he want forgiveness of sins? No, he wants deliverance. Deliverance from the work of the devil. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falls into the fire and oft into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Notice Jesus is answering him. Not talking to the disciples. He doesn't turn around to the disciples and say, what is wrong with you people? He answers the man. He knows that the only thing that can stop the power of God from working, that he delegated and transferred to the disciples authority over all the power of the devil to cast out devils and also to heal every sickness and every disease. He knows the only thing that can stop that from working is unbelief. So he says to the father, why won't you believe? That's what that means. Faithless and, and perverse generation, how long must I or shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Luke 9 tells us the same story. It tells us about how Jesus had to adjust the man's faith a little bit. But he did. And the child was cured from that very hour. Why? Because God showed mercy. The Lord is gracious and full of mercy. Full of mercy. Look with me to another one. I see in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 beginning in verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed them. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Now this is another account of two blind men that Matthew tells us about. So it can't be the same two guys. Two blind men were healed in chapter 15. Two blind men are going to be healed in chapter 20. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will you that I shall do unto you? What area do you need mercy in? 
Now, folks, I want you to realize, at this moment, they've got a blank check. Why? Because they cried out for mercy. And the Lord is gracious. He's disposed to show favors and full of mercy. The Lord's mercy endures forever. There's no end to his mercy. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, The mercy of the Lord is everlasting from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him. From everlasting to everlasting. One thing you'll find that the Bible says over and over again is that the mercy of God never runs out. Second thing you're going to find out about the mercy of God is it's always available to them that put the things of God first. Those that fear him. The Bible says putting the, putting the word first in your life is a one way to fear the Lord. The multitude rebuked him again, verse 31. Because they should hold their peace, but they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I shall do unto you? Then said they unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. Please notice that. That's the word mercy. So Jesus had mercy on them. They asked for mercy. They said, we want mercy uh, for our eyes to be opened. So Jesus had compassion or mercy on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Who in the church world will say that God's mercy has changed from when Jesus was here? Nobody. A lot of the same people are to say that God doesn't heal like he did when Jesus was here because Jesus healed to prove that he was the son of God will say and quote the scriptures, the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever. Yet you'll find in Jesus' ministry time after time after time people came to him for healing by asking for mercy. Let's look at another one. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 17. Bet you didn't know there's so many times in the Bible where healing is referred to as mercy. Luke chapter 17. Let's start reading in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What are they looking for? They're looking for healing for their body. They're not saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us and forgive our sins. They want healing. And by asking for healing, they made a request and a demand on his mercy. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. There are a couple of times that we've already seen this where Jesus questions people. And in the case of the Syrophoenician woman, he says, you're outside the group that I'm supposed to be ministering to right now. But even that couldn't stop the mercy of God from being shown. Jesus tweaked the two blind men's faith in Matthew 15 simply by asking them, wanted to commit them. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yeah. And they were healed. Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 17. Jesus says, you're not in the group of people that I'm supposed to be ministering to right now. And she says, yeah, that's right. But still, all I need is a little bit. And God's desire to show his mercy, to meet someone's request for mercy, was greater than the bloodlines of Abraham. Now, if God hadn't changed, 
what is there in your life that's great enough to stop the mercy of God from applying to you? I would submit to you folks, there's nothing. So they lifted up their voice. In verse 13, he said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he said unto them, saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Notice again, Jesus didn't pick and choose winners and losers here. He didn't say, well, now, one of you guys is a real reprobate type of guy. One of you is sick because of the sins of their own lives, sins that they've committed in their own lives. So I can't give healing for everybody, but seven out of the ten, that's a good percentage. We'll let that work for you. He healed them all. Why? Because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Are you out there? I'm okay with you thinking. I just want to make sure that you're there. And it came to pass as, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. In other words, some of the others were Jews, I guess. Here's a guy that's not a Jew. And he comes back and glorifies God for his healing. And Jesus said unto him, Arise, go your way, and your faith has made you whole. Now, I don't know about this, folks. I can't prove it one way or the other. I can't prove it to be, to, to be absolutely correct, but you can't disprove it. It seems to me that Jesus is not saying your faith made you whole in being cleansed from the leprosy. He seems to be saying that your faith got him something else, something in addition to the cleansing from the leprosy that he first had. Well, what could that be? Every case that I know of of leprosy that's identified in the Bible and anything that gives us details is people are missing body parts because the leprosy is eating things away. It could very well be that Jesus says, because you came back to glorify me, and by the way, notice that he didn't, there wasn't any glorifying God while they were sick. The glorifying of God took place after he was healed. Now, I know the church world says that people ought to glorify God in their sickness. You do a study of people, when people glorified God, you'll find out it was always after the mercy of God had healed them. So now Jesus says, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. I wonder if the mercy of God now extends, the second wave of the mercy of God extends to this man to replace the parts that the leprosy had eaten away. Certainly possible, isn't it? Something to think about. Turn with me now to... um, Wait a minute, in the wrong place. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, it says, And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So you can see supernatural power at work in his body, right? And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? Most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, 
saying, What is thy name? And the Spirit answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him, the Spirit besought Jesus much, that he would not cast them out of the country, send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down to a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000, and they were choked into the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what, was done, what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and saw the man that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. Please notice that phrase. He was possessed with the devil and he had the legion. One spirit possessed him. That's the one that was talking. And that one spirit opened the door for all the other evil spirits to come in and join in. When they saw the man that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. Now, what in the world are they afraid then for? Seems like they should have been afraid when the man was naked and running around breaking stuff up and acting like a crazy guy. But they saw him sitting in his right mind and clothes. I guess when you get in your right mind, you put your clothes back on. It's a good thing to teach the young people. They were afraid, and they, they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him, Jesus, asked Jesus to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been, been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. In other words, the guy that was set free, the guy that was delivered, said, Jesus, let me go with you. Now, I want you to get this. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee. And here's the reason why he did it. And has had compassion on thee. So what was the source of this man's deliverance? The mercy of God. Verse 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. I want you to get this. He began to publish in Decapolis. He's telling everybody you can about the mercy of God. He began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now, I want you to turn real quickly with me to Matthew 15. I want you to see what was the result of this man telling everybody about the mercy of God. Verse 29, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee. Now, every Bible scholar will agree that this is the region of the, of the territory that this is talking about is Decapolis. Don't take my word for it. You can look it up under any commentary, any concordance, whatever. Every reference will show you this is back in Decapolis where the man was set free. Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee, and they went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be made whole. That's one of the reasons why I suppose that the leper was made whole as well. The lame to walk and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, what created this crowd? What created this healing multitude and all these tremendous works? And, and, and in my opinion, you judge it for yourself. But of all the times where the Bible talks about Jesus healing the multitudes, it's never specified and identified the healing miracles that took place like it does in this list. 
What was the source or the reason? What was the cause? What produced this multitude and these healing miracles? The publishing of the mercy of God. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is disposed to show favors. He's gracious. He's disposed to show favors and full of compassion. Full of compassion. Here's one that you'll know about. It's over in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 40. It says there came a leper to him. To Jesus beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him. If you will you can make me clean. Only time in Jesus ministry where somebody asked. If you're willing I know you can. Only time. Now that seems to be the major question in the body of Christ today. Oh yeah I'm Pastor Mike. We believe God's able to do anything. We just don't know if he will. Well, how are you going to find out? Most people are just praying and asking God to do it. And if he doesn't do it, that must mean he's not willing. But folks, you need to realize the Bible says that if you need something from God, you're supposed to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Because it says, it goes further. This is James chapter 1. It goes further and says, For let not the man that wavers think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. So if anybody, you, me, or anybody, comes to God and says, Well, Lord, I'm asking you to heal me. And I guess if it works and if I get healed, then that will prove that you're willing. But if, it, if you don't heal me, then that means you're not willing. Nobody could ever receive healing under those circumstances. Because that's wavering. That's being unsure of what God will do. Faith, uh, faith begins where the will of God is known, folks. You can't have faith unless you know what God's will is on the subject. So what about this guy? Is he in faith? Not where the willingness of God is concerned. He doesn't know. So there is every right for this guy to be left out in the cold without being healed. But the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So this guy says unto him, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. This is the word mercy. Jesus moved with compassion or mercy. Put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. It was not this man's faith that moved Jesus or triggered Jesus' healing power. Although we've got many examples in Jesus' ministry where faith was necessary and it was the activating agent for the healing power of God. Not so in this case. He didn't have any doubts about the ability of Jesus. But he had a lot of doubt about whether or not he was willing. Well, what overcame that doubt? The mercy of Jesus. Jesus was moved with compassion. Mercy moved him. Why? Because the Lord is disposed to show favors and full of compassion and mercy. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, Be thou clean. I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Let me show you one more. Matthew chapter 14. start reading in verse 13 when jesus heard it heard of it this is after uh, what he hears about is uh, john the baptist being beheaded when jesus heard it he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart and when the people had heard thereof they followed him on foot out of out of, out of the cities 
And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Notice the mercy of God initiated the actions that result. Not the faith of the people in this case. You can see that they had faith in him because they came to him. But Jesus was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Who in the body of Christ is qualified? I don't care what kind of letters you got behind your name or what kind of degrees you got or anything else. Who in the body of Christ is is authorized to say that the healing mercy of God has been adjusted since Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father? I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews 8, verse 6, it says, we have a better covenant established on better promises. Jesus said to his disciples, it's expedient for you that I go away. Folks, I would submit to you that if the mercy of God toward the sick was adjusted or altered in any way whatsoever by Jesus being raised from the dead, then it wasn't expedient for the disciples. Certainly wouldn't be expedient for anybody that's sick for Jesus to go away. Furthermore, I would submit to you that if the mercy of God toward healing, toward healing the sick, has been adjusted or altered in any way, this can't be a better covenant than they had when Jesus was here on the earth. Yet that's what the Bible says. We have a better covenant established upon better promises. Wouldn't be better for the sick. Oh, but some will say, Pastor Mike, you're just looking at it from a very carnal position. Because now we have the mercy of God toward salvation. Well, I would refer you back to what the Bible says over and over again, that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Full of compassion. Who said that it's either or? Forgiveness of sins or healing. Who's qualified to say that? Who is the mouthpiece of God that was sent to the earth to say healing mercy for the sick is not the same as when Jesus was here. Even though the Bible says Jesus never changes. Even though the Bible says God never changes and his will never, adjust, never makes any adjustment or never changes in any way. Who is qualified to say that healing mercy for the sick is not the same as it was when Jesus was here on the earth? And the greater works that Jesus said we'd do, the works that he, the works that he did that he said we would do, and the even greater works than we would, even greater works than him that, or what we would do too, don't include his healing mercy to the sick. Folks, I would submit to you that the Bible couldn't be any more clear that, that God's mercy is still available toward every sick person on the earth. Just like his saving mercy is available to every sinner that lives. The Bible couldn't be any more clear. In fact, you've got to have denominational help to miss it. If we didn't have scholarly religious leaders... We'd understand it. It's clear enough for us to understand on our own. F.F. Bosworth is one of my heroes. He said that he preached for 13 years the salvation message. And he said, we got people saved. But when the Lord started dealing with him about preaching healing, he believed in it all along. But when the Lord started, started dealing with him about preaching healing in the citywide crusades and campaigns that he had, he said, we got 20 times the people saved that we had before. Because when they saw his mercy to heal, whole cities would turn out for our meetings. He said, there was no comparison. We kept records. 
But there's no comparison to the people that are willing to give their hearts to Jesus when they find out that God heals the sick. That he shows his mercy upon those that are afflicted in body. Folks, Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I'm not sure if I've got enough faith. Then cry out for the mercy of God. Do you believe God's able to help you? Do you believe that the Bible is true? It says he's willing. Yeah, but I'm just not sure. I just don't feel like he's willing. Forget about how you feel. Just believe the word to be true. Do you realize there's enough faith to say, I don't feel anything about this one way or the other, but I just accept God's word to be true? Do you realize that's enough faith for anybody to to be healed from any circumstance and any condition? It's not about how you feel. It's never supposed to be about how you feel. It's about accepting what the Bible says Jesus has already done for you to be true and accurate and for you. That's all sin. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you are disposed to show favors and you are full of compassion, that you are good to all and your tender mercies are over all of your works. We thank you, Lord, that you delight in mercy. Father, we believe your word. We believe Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So, Lord, we reach out for your mercy. Because we believe the word to be true. Because we believe you, Jesus, to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. We cry out for your mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. The same mercy that healed the sick when you were here on the earth. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Just as your mercy crossed over the lines, the bloodlines, to reach the Syrophoenician woman to deliver her daughter. Lord, let your mercy reach out to us. Let your mercy reach out to us to fill in the low places, to make plain the rough places, to bring us to the place, Lord, where we walk in your perfect will. Lord, if there's any lack, if there's anything missing in anybody's belief, in their heart, in their understanding, by your mercy, we ask that you would make it right so that we receive. We believe we receive your mercy, Lord. And that mercy raises us up. That mercy heals us. That mercy that was shown in you sending your son, Jesus, to pay the punishment for us all. The punishment for sin. The punishment for poverty. The punishment for sickness. Oh, thank you, Father, for your mercy. Great is your mercy to me. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us where we are. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy causes your power to raise us up. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. That means it endures for each one of us. His mercy endures forever. 
His mercy endures forever. Blessed be the name of Jesus. 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 Be healed by the mercy of God. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Teach us, Lord. Show us. Open our eyes. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Your mercy opened blind eyes then, Lord. We thank you that your mercy opens blind eyes now. Your mercy caused the lame to walk then. We thank you that your mercy causes the lame to walk today. Your mercy caused the maimed to be whole then. We thank you that your mercy causes the maimed to be whole now. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. 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 You know, that's what Jehoshaphat and his army sang. All the people of Israel sang. Well, they went out to battle against five different armies, five different kings that joined against them. They lifted their voice and sang, For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the Lord set ambushments against their enemies. They wound up killing each other. So when Israel arrived on the scene, it took them three days to carry off the spoil. God's still into us carrying away spoils. But what's our spoil? One of the things that he spoiled the enemy of is healing. Healing is the spoil of Jesus' victory. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. You know how most people were healed? Well, I don't know about most people. You know how a great number of people were healed in Bosworth's ministry? You look at his book, Christ the Healer, and there are pictures of convention centers, thousands and thousands of people. A great number of people, maybe even the majority of people, were healed just by hearing the word taught while they sat in their seats. Because the word of God is the power of God to heal. See, Jesus came to bring healing. You don't need somebody else to touch you. Jesus is already there to touch you. And he touches your heart through his word. Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Say it this way. Lord, you are good. And your mercy toward me. Endures forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.